Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Lies My Mother Told. But she didn't know, though. No, she did not know. We give her grace. But yes, welcome, you guys. My name is Sade, founder and podcaster of Fortify the City. And here is my beautiful, altogether lovely co-host, Tasha of Confessions of a Christian Girl. Tasha, big up yourself. Hola. How you guys doing? Welcome, welcome. We are so, so happy to be back in the place with you guys. So really quickly, lies my mother told, but she didn't know, um, is a six-week mini-series where we tackle the impartations of transgenerational trauma. Transgenerational trauma being the destructive effects passed down from our parents to their children, us, and from sometimes us to our children. And yeah, you know, it can look like a lot of different things, and this is where we're going to talk about it. So we welcome you guys to join in on the conversation, leave comments, ask questions, feedback, like, subscribe, follow, all that, all that. It gets deep, okay? It gets very deep. So keep up with us. More importantly, you forgot to introduce our other co-host because oh. he's here. Oh, yeah. He's here and he's making himself known. My one-year-old <laughs> to the left of me, Theodore, a.k.a. Teddy. Say hi, Teddy. <laughs> All right. I'm so excited for today's episode. Before we get started, I have a few questions for you. I found this really fun game, y'all. It is called uh, Christian Culture, all right? The rules are pretty simple. You answer it uh, in a group since it's just Sade and I. I'm just going to be asking her a few random questions, and she's going to ask me a few, and then we're going to get into today's episode. All right, Sade, we're going to start off with this good question. What is one word that describes who God says you are? Um, one word, loved. Is that is that a description? Yeah, it says one word. So loved. Loved. Okay. Why aren't Christians exempt from pain and suffering? <laughs> I think to keep us humble. Um, do you think Jesus had a sense of humor? And why? He definitely had a sense of humor. Um, laughing is great. Laughing is healthy. And I think without laughing, this world would be pretty dull. Okay, great. Has social media made the Christian journey easier or harder? For me, um, it's been it's made it a little bit more difficult. And I'll say in the sense where social media can be really distracting, right? My days can be really hectic. It can be really just tough, just depending on the day, not every day, but depending on the day. And I I kind of cling to social media sometimes to kind of get my head out of the clouds or out of what's going on in my house. So if you're not strong in your faith, if you're not, you know, really solid in your relationship with Christ, it can it, you can be thrown off very easily. That's how I feel about it. How do you feel about it? Just to, to throw it back at you. I feel like it's a combination of the two. And I'm going to tell you why. I think one of the things that's so beautiful for me, and I think has been encouraging these last couple of years, is in my mind growing up, I did not feel like I saw the kind of Christian woman that I wasn't sure if it was okay that I could be, right? Like I you, I grew up with the Paula Whites and Juanita Bynums and, you know, Cindy Trims, those type of women. And then you started getting into like the Medina Pullins and I still didn't quite feel like I still saw myself in any of them. I don't know if it was the age gap. I don't know if it's, um, 
darn it. I don't know if it's the age gap or, or what was it, but I felt like with social media, it encouraged me more and more to see women that were doing some of the things I was afraid to do. Right. And so combining ministry and beauty together or, you know, normalizing, you can love God and still be decked out. I mean, and you, and, and I love that. It's just like an array of just like a rainbow in the kingdom of God of just different all types and kinds. And I love that about social media. I think sometimes it makes it harder when you're going through a darker season or you don't feel like there's much happening in your life, you know, cause social media can be a highlight reel. You know, I think social media sometimes can be an illusion, like everything else that's centered around escapism um, and entertainment. And I believe that those who are authentic, that is the reason why they do well. I don't want to say that they do the best on social media, but they do well because people can pick up on what's real. And every now and again, people want to break out of their daily lives of being in the matrix and, uh, and, and connect to authenticity. But also at the same time, some people buy into the cognitive dissonance of social media and just the internet and buying in like, you know, it's not real, you know, but people are buying on, but you know, you, you, you buy into it, you know? So I think it's a combination of the two that I have been able to see in my own personal life. Mm. All right, Tasha, mm. your turn. Mm. I'm about to ask you a question or two. Mm. Mm. Ooh, I like this one. Mm. Do you have to dress a certain way for church? Should you? I think that I think that that uh, question is individual. I think one, it, it's a couple of different things. One, I think it's your own personal code of conduct. Code of conduct. I also think to um, understanding the culture of maybe the church that you're going to or being part of. Like there's some ministries that they're super casual. Like I'm part of a ministry that's super duper casual. Like you do not have to dress up. But I was raised, you know, getting dressed. You know, I had like my big churchy dresses and my church shoes. And as I got older, it's like you were wearing, you know, dresses and heels. Like it was a whole thing. And um, when I started going to a little bit more casual, you know, churches, it was a quite adjustment for me uh, because I just, I wasn't used to it. And so um, even going to church and like wearing flats felt super uncomfortable to me. Right. Cause in my mind, it was like, you show up looking good everywhere else. Why won't you show up looking good to the house of God? That was kind of my mindset. Um, But I also think that I had not always been the most modest, like modesty is something that I have to kind of like constantly check myself on. Um, just because for me, I'm like, I'm not trying to dress like an old lady. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I love, I love fashion. I love clothes. You know, I like, you know, trying to be somewhat trendy, but also sticking to things that are classic. So should you do something? I think that's completely between you and God, but I will say this, there are times where I have worn certain things and the Holy Spirit was like, Really? Is is that what we're doing? Are we going to church or are we going to the club? Okay, I hear you on that one, sis. I totally get it, and I agree with you a thousand percent across the board. Next question. First John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. What does this mean to you? I think that the God is the greatest example of love. Um, and how can we withhold love when he so freely gave it to us? And of course, that term love, I'm noticing now and now we live in a world where that definition keeps being twisted and changed, uh, which we do have uh, I'm a shameless pug. We do have another episode where we'll be talking about uh 
Don't Judge Me movement uh, and the movement of counterfeit love. So please stay tuned. Um, I think that we live in a world where that definition of love keeps changing every day. And I feel like it's being more and more perverted. And so we're not going to get into that until we get to that episode. But for today, I just think it simply means that he set the greatest example. Follow suit. Okay. Yep. Stay tuned to, for that episode, folks. Because it... Next question. Do you believe in soulmates? If so, does each person have only one soulmate? And this is a great question. <laughs> no. I think Miles Monroe talked about this years ago. Um, when he talked about, you know, in his series, teaching on dating and marriage, that God parades multiple options. And like Adam, who was naming the animals and naming, you know, leaves and trees that you have dominion and the right to choose what is best. I think that what happens is if your soul is off, if your people picker is off, and you make a decision from that, can you blame God? And is that your, but you felt like that's your soulmate, but what if your soul is broken? And so for me, I look at it from that point of view, because I think it, it comes from compatibility. I think it comes from being equally yoked. I think it comes from, um, the generation that you're living. I think there's so many different variables. And I, and I think that there is an ideal person or match that God will have in mind for you. And be, and, and I think at the end of the day, go to God, right? I think nothing, when this comes to this topic, I don't think that this is black and white. Um, I think it's, it could be different things for different people, but to say that there's just one person, cause God forbid, what if that one person, let's say they pass away prematurely. I've heard, I actually heard a prophetic word like that. I remember there was a man of God, he prophesied to the lady. He said, you've been crying and asking God, like, where's your husband? He said, what, like the idea that a person that God had for you, he said, this person died, uh, passed away in a tragic car accident four years ago. So I said, well, hold up. <laughs> so that means she ain't never going to get married. She ain't never going to. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not really sure. I think that there are multiple um, options and we have to make sure that we are healthy enough. Our people picker is on that we are picking the best. And we know ourselves, right? We know ourselves and know what we can and can put up with and go with there. And I feel like you make the one, the one, I feel like, you know, when the two join together, that's the knitting of two souls. That's, that's your soul mate. And so I feel like, I think that happens when marriage happens. That's a perfectly well said <laughs> argument. And it brings me to a particular relationship that's been highlighted over the social platforms across everything right now, especially within the Black community. Um, what's her name? Denea Jackson and her husband or ex-husband, I'm not sure if they're divorced yet, Derek Jackson, right? Mm -hmm. And just that conversation and what's been happening. You know, apparently she's had um, an interview where she talks about the history of her relationship with her soon-to-be ex-husband and just how it started, how it came to be. And speaking of soulmates, speaking of unequally yoked, right? Me listening to her story, I'm not sure if any of you guys have heard the story or if you've listened to the, that episode. I think it's like the two-part episode. But I, I can't help but to wonder if, I mean... She talks about, you know, the three days 
into I guess them getting to know each other and how after three days they fell in love and I feel like oftentimes when we talk about soulmates it's always like oh you know it was two dates three dates or (laughs) something and this is my soulmate I've never had a soulmate per se or at least I never acknowledged any of my pre- relationships before my husband as soulmates you know there have been men who I've dated where I'm like oh I really like this person and oh I might have saw something like as far as long term with a particular person but to your point about you know was my people picker was I healthy no I don't think I was I don't think I was healthy when it came to relationships at all and thinking of Danae Jackson and what she was able to tell you know she 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 said after three days they were in love after three days they just knew and it's so sad you know now however many years later when from the outside looking in you realize like girl were you were you wrong? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and granted, she wasn't a Christian at that point in their relationship when they first met, um, which speaks to, you know, everything when it comes to relationships and the whole idea of being equally or unequally yoked. I have to stop here before we go further in conversation um, because I want to correct something. I believe, and I'm going to say it with my chest, I believe that the gentleman in question um, is a narcissist. Um, There's too many different things that have happened, too many different things that have been confirmed for us to not say that that's who he is. So I want to go ahead and, first of all, teach people the difference between being loved bomb and genuine love. This is from uh, bondbology.com. The pace of the relationship is... uh, uh, Oh, I can't see that word. The pace of relationship is really fast. There's always an agenda. They will buy you extravagant gifts. They will cut you off from others. They will monitor your movements. There is no respect for boundaries. They will use your vulnerabilities against you. There's an immense uh, imbalance of power. The uh, Dear Wifey podcast, shout out to them. Um, I think Danae explained a lot of things in her upbringing in her life that really just showed that, you know, there was some code, there was codependency. There's a lot of compounded trauma that she was dealing with. And just, I don't think that she was in the healthiest place. Um, so with that being said, we need to make sure that we very, we clarify in this particular situation, there was a case of love bombing um, and less of love. So for example, one of the things about um, when you're dealing with narcissistic individuals, like I said, is the pace and the speed of the relationship. And it really feels like a bomb. It's like intense emotion and it's lots going on because what happens is you're not able to think well. Now that doesn't work on everybody. Typically the people it does work on is women or men who have a deficit in that area. And so it in somebody like Danae is you have um, a background of assault um, on more than one occasion. You have an issue of neglect and a deep seat of rejection. And also, obviously, there's some self-esteem issues, right? And so here comes this, you know, this guy playing, you know, football college and he's six, whatever, and he tall, dark, chocolate, just the way like some of us like him. And so you're like, yes. And even think about the introduction. I don't know if if she broke that down in um when how they met where, you know, she had pictures of herself, um, you know, modeling. And then, so he said something to the effect like, oh, hey, are you a model? Can you tutor me? Pump your brakes. What does one have to do with the other? 
So he saw something, he watched you, he picked up on it and went through an open door. And then when three days, suddenly you're the, and it's unfortunate because when you have a deficit and when you're working out of that deficit of not really your father's around, but not really giving the love that you deserve as a woman and really instilling who your identity is, what came off as a compliment should have just simply been, that's a fact and what. Um, and so I felt like there were so many things about her, her story that was so, I don't want to say disheartening, but it's more common than we really want to talk about. Um, but I, I thought about all the various, uh, women in, in situations that we hear when we talk about being equally yoked and how one of the things that I think we do is we get ourselves into these type of situations and then we want God to bless the mess. Well, for Denea, I, I hadn't gotten quite to the part yet where she talked about coming into Christ. I know she is a woman of God at the, now, but I don't believe she was at the beginning of their story. So I do think that definitely um, might have played a role had she maybe, maybe not. Because even still with God involved, a lot of times we still overlook some of his signs and his um, urgings when he's trying to tell us like, no, don't go that way. You know, we still decide that we want to go that way. But as far as the whole idea of wanting God to bless the mess. So <laughs> listen, like uh, it's funny because it's such a it's such a common thing. Right. We have Christians who are who don't know the word, they don't, and I keep going back to this, I feel like in every episode where there's a major lack of knowledge there. Otherwise, we wouldn't choose some of the partners and spouses that we choose, right? And once we dis once we go in it, it's like, all right, God, I need you now. But it's like, did you need him at the beginning? Did you need him when you were dating? Did you need him or seek his counsel or godly counsel of some sort when you guys might have been experiencing certain things that should have been an indication that, oh, no, honey, like this is not the one. A lot of times we just want what we want and forgetting that, listen, when it comes to relationships, marriages, there's supposed to be some type of purpose involved. And if you and your spouse or your partner are not able to come to some type of commonality, which should be Christ, right? Um, the whole idea of being equally yoked, where does the purpose fall? You know what I'm saying? A lot of times when it comes to those those relationships where it was never really a good one to begin with, the purpose comes after the hurt, after the pain, after the downfall, after the divorce, after the breakup, after all the bad things have happened. And then there's purpose, which is still a good thing. Like, okay, she spoke about, you know, you using her life experience, her testimony, like her life experience is her testimony now, which I get. And I'm sure it can be a blessing to someone who will hear it, who, who might be 19, 18, you know, trying to decide between the football player, the jock. And, you know, I'm not that pretty, but he came for me. So I'm, you know what I mean? So maybe I should maybe wise enough as opposed to, oh, it's a fairy tale. And my life is a fairy tale because she talked about that too. Right. And I feel like so many people can speak to these things being in college and being pursued by uh, the team, the football star or the, you know, the sports jock and someone that you never thought you could get. And then all of a sudden they have their eyes on you. They threw some games. So now it's like, ooh, 
you know what I mean? You, it's like you feel like you're the chosen one, but <laughs> like there's there's only the, the only chosen ones that should matter are children of God, honestly. And if you're not equally yoked, then you're gonna fall into some mishaps. And I talked about purpose a couple of seconds ago, or a couple of minutes ago, and I feel like, well, if together you and your spouse or your partner are not able to fulfill purpose, then what are we even talking about when it comes to these relationships? What kind of purpose? I mean, having children is not purpose. Sorry to say, because I hear people say that all the time, like, oh, you know, this is what my life was supposed to like. This is what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to be a mother. And, you know, a lot of times we we give credit to the men because without the man, you weren't you wouldn't be able to be impregnated, of course. But no, it's more than that, because what kind of life are you giving your kids if there's turmoil in the household? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that says anything or answer any of your question, but I mean, there's a, it's a lot to unpack. Okay. Okay. Um, well, let, then let's go ahead and unpack that. What is the difference between being equally yoked and uh, unequally yoked? What it, We hear that term a lot. And uh, most of the time people immediately say, oh, just be compatible. But what does that term mean? So I love this conversation, or at least this part of the conversation. So there was a time where I was confused about what it meant. Um, I knew compatibility. Compatibility generally speaks to just having same similar interests. Oh, we both like music. Oh, we both like to travel. Oh, we both like dancing and books and those things. And while those things are important, you and your partner having similar interests, I do think that's valid. Those are valid concerns when, you know, seeking a partner or dating or in the courtship process. However, the whole idea of equally yoked has nothing to do with compatibility. And that's the the misunderstanding, the big misunderstanding, I think, for a lot of Christians. They feel as though just because we share a lot of similarities and interests that means that we're equally yoked. But ultimately, what I've learned, let me not act like I just knew because I didn't, what I've learned, being equally yoked has all to do with being grounded in Christ. When I talk about being unequally yoked, uh, the term comes from, and I think it's uh, it was brilliant the way the New Testament breaks it down. But if you look at the original uh, translation of it, it literally means putting two oxens um, Yoked together because you know they put the little they put the little head in the wooden thing so that they can plow gas um, plow grass when they're both yoked together but one of the oxen is weaker than the other one of the oxen has to work double has to work harder to not just continue doing its work but to compensate for the weakness of the other it makes everything harder it makes the 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 it shortens the lifespan of the ox um they are more prone to wear and tear they're more prone to sicknesses you can tell i kind of looked this up um there's so many different things that can go wrong and if that can happen with animals then what do we think we can happen with human beings and so i think just making that definition very very clear let's just start there because there are a lot of believers that are believers and they simply think oh because this other person is a christian we should be cool we should date we should get married don't do it and this is why you need to i be, i believe i believe this is why i think people need to date because to date is to collect data it's to figure out who this person is what family are they from their history their likes their dislike characteristics how do they handle handle you know um 
misunderstandings? How do they handle conflict? How do they handle, uh, you know, their finances? Can they withstand pressure in life? That's a lot more than just, Hey, you believe in Jesus. That's a huge part of it. Like that's just the mere basics, but I feel like it being equally out goes a little, it's all about truth of the matter. As we are exchanging data and we're getting to know one another, are we heading in the same direction in life? Because if we're right. heading in the same direction, that conversation, and here's another hot one, that conversation of submission shouldn't be a big deal because it simply means to submit under a mission. But how can I submit to a mission that either A, you don't have, B, you don't know what it is, what, what is the point of that? So I think that there's so many different moving pieces when it comes to the whole equally yoked and unequally yoked conversation. I wanted to make sure that we painted that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was an event that I work with. Uh, it was a, it was a, uh, uh, it was a particular religion. I won't go into detail. Anyways, um, I saw a lot of things that was very interesting to me. They were uh, celebrating the Passover. They were extremely organized. Um, there were girls who were 13 or 14, even a little bit younger. And their moms were asking, is there a little boy that you saw that you like? What family is he? Where does he live? Is his like, you know, we want to meet the parents. They had mixers for teenagers. They had premarital counseling for teenagers. They were like, like, I mean, like maybe a little bit like older, like maybe 16 or 17, and I took the opportunity just to watch afar and to see what the conversations were. I can imagine for me, I was told, don't date, don't have a boyfriend, don't date, don't have a boyfriend. Because everybody's so, you know, black people, ultra, the biggest crime in the world is to come home pregnant. You know what I'm saying? And being single. And, and I can understand. But I appreciated the fact that they were so much fear motivated. They were more solution based. And I saw a lot of young couples and they're doing well. The event that I was working, this wasn't no cheap place. It was a like it was a resort type place. They are doing well in life. And I and I I just took some time and I said, God, in the church, especially in the black church, we were not taught how to do things God's way. We are winging it and doing the best we can. Some of us, at least we have common sense to say, I don't know better. So I'm going to get books. I'm going to get sermons. I'm going to take courses. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to sit at the feet of the prophet. I'm going to learn and I'm going to work on my people picker so that I can choose what is well. I'm going to pray. I'm going to wake up at midnight, wake up at 6 a.m. I'm going to hit all the watches. I'm going to pray that God releases the right person for me. But more importantly, be working towards God. What is the best type of wife that I can be in any given scenario? I said, all of this because it was it was very disheartening and sad because I recognized we weren't taught to do things God's way. And here we are. And the proof is in our statistics. The proof is the things that we see on social media and the things that we know are happening in households that we really may not talk about because one of the superpowers of black people is silence. We don't like to talk about issues. And another superpower is we like to sweep things under the rug. And so sometimes we don't know what the real is. And and I and my prayer is that, Lord, because it's obvious that we're in the end, in end times. Father, I want to see more kingdom marriages. I want to see more marriage that signifies God's love. Um, because you know, the Bible says that you to, to love your wife as Christ loved the church. I want to see more examples of that, more examples of unity, people raising godly children, making sure that people are not growing up in broken homes, that they're seeing how to uh, conflict resolution. They're seeing what it is to build together. They're seeing what it looks like. If there's a household of 50, 50, hopefully it's a godly 50, 50, or if it's a household where, you know, the 
the father is the main bread or, or whatever the dynamic is. As I feel like as long as it's glorifying God, I want to see more equally yoked homes. And for you to say that says something, right? Like I, I'm not comfortable with the term equally yoked, unequally yoked being thrown around even by carnal Christians. I'm not sure why we are comfortable with that idea or that fact because we shouldn't be like, it should not be a case where we're comfortable being a certain type of Christian. I feel like to the meat of it or at the, at the essence of who we are as Christians, we should all look like Christ, right? Even if we are influencers or business professionals or construction workers at the heart, at the heart of all of us, we should look like Christ. Um, Of course, like I, you know, we've discussed before in previous episodes, everyone is, everyone's walk is different. Everyone's pace is different. So maybe not automatically, maybe, maybe not in every age group, you should expect people to be at the same level, but at least we're attaining to that. We're, we're pursuing that. Right. Um, so learning, like, I'm so grateful that I didn't get married until I did get married. Like I didn't get married at the age I thought I was going to get married. And had I gotten married at that age, we might not be here. You and I, as a as a team as a duo <laughs> in having these conversations we might not even know each other right because who knows where i'd be as far as just headspace and even in my walk you know what i mean um because it took me coming into christ for me to learn what marriage should look like and it's the reason why i didn't get married right away because it was like oh wait a minute maybe we aren't ready for marriage you know what i'm saying maybe we do need to pull back and get to know ourselves in christ more and get to know christ more and this is what kind of delayed my process in getting married but i'm grateful for that process because i grew in certain areas that i didn't know before like okay well what should a wife even look like because it's not every woman or girlfriend that should even be a wife forget the conversation of what your husband is doing or, or your boyfriend is doing and is he worthy of you cooking dinner and making his plate and all that stuff because you know that's like a conversation with unmarried people like oh don't treat your boyfriend like your husband because he's not your husband yet type of thing and i i i i i i hmm I mean, I agree. Cause then, but then there's also the side to it. You where said that like, I a couple times, man. Right. Because I have to think about it. Because I have to let me tell you why, though. Because I agree. Because I know I've heard people say, "Well, this is the thing. Um, if you can't show the man that you are worthy of the wife, worthy to be his wife, and I guess showing the man would be cooking and cleaning and these things, right? Then are you fit to be a wife? There's there's these conversations where we always talk about the man being fit to be the husband, but at the same time, are you fit to be a wife? So these are valid questions. But I feel like if it wasn't for me growing as a Christian and growing as my at least growing my identity in Christ, that I was able to measure up at least a bit more, maybe not a thousand percent, but, you know, way more than I was at 27. I'm 37 now. Right. I'm 37. Yeah, I'm 37. <laughs> oh, shoot. I don't even know if I want to expose that, but I mean, it's, it's true. Mm-hmm. 10, 10 years ago, I would not have been ready to be anybody's wife. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, and I was a carnal Christian 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Fact of the matter. I didn't even know what carnal Christian was, mm-hmm. but 
looking back, that's exactly what I was. I was always a believer, but mm-hmm. I wasn't living the life of a Christian. My lifestyle wasn't Christian. So you said something the other day, and I really want those listening in the podcast to get an opportunity. You talked about the idea of marriage is the idea of Christ. Um, as we land this episode, I wanted you to just take some time out and talk about that a little bit more. Cause I think that that was like a powerful point and like a really good way to put like the cherry on the top to this conversation. Well, I think it goes back to what I was just saying, right? You know, me as a individual, as a woman of God, as a person who is growing every day in Christ, who's learning more and more every day. My discernment is getting stronger every day. You know, I'm, 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 I'm recognizing the word of God in my life. You know what I mean? Like the spirit of knowledge, the gift of knowledge, like these things are more and more evident to me. Whereas before I would totally overlook it. Like someone would have to pin, like point it out like, Oh, and I'm like, Oh, well, girl, that was me. I was, I was, I was in the spirit. Was I? Cause there was a time where I had no idea what being in the spirit was. So going back to the idea of marriage is the idea of Christ. Well, I mean, this speaks to again, purpose and what purpose looks like in our relationships. Most of all marriage for me to marry a man who I can fulfill purpose with is I mean, I don't want to say the ultimate because even as an individual, I'm supposed to fulfill purpose, right? But to be able to fulfill purpose in my marriage as well, man, imagine the glory that I can bring to Christ or to the kingdom of heaven in doing that. You know what I'm saying? So, and I can't speak for any other religion. I know marriage is, you know, um, important in other, every religion, apparently. So I can't speak for those other religions. I'm, I've only been a Christian my whole life. But learning what a husband should look like, learning what a wife should look like, according to the Bible, that's, that's, that's goals for me. Forget all these other aspirations that carnal Christians may have, or even unbelievers. Cause I do feel like there's this, there's this stretch that carnal Christians are striving for. And it's not the Christian dynamic. They're striving for the world as far as their relationships, which is really sad because it's like, listen, like we're not supposed to be with the world when it comes to, especially marriage, especially, I mean, we're not supposed to be with the world in any sense as Christians. Um, but you have a lot of carnal Christians who they don't know the difference. And if they, and if they are going to pick, they're going to pick the world. They want, they want the glitz and the glam and they want the fairy tale. And guess what? There, it, it, there's no fairy tale. Yeah. Well, I think that, I think there's a lot more to discuss in this conversation. So we'll debate if we'll do a part two or not. Um, because I think we just uh, touched the surface of this, but, um, before we go, Shade, you're the married one, okay? Pray for these people, and because yeah, I mean, okay. Let's <laughs> <laughs> our heads, folks. Before we close out, in the name of Jesus, Father God, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. We we thank you for a day like this. We thank you for Tasha. We thank you for every listener. We thank you for 
the equipment, the Wi-Fi, everything that we use today to get this message across. Father God, we pray for those who are in transition in their lives, in their relationships, in their marriages. We thank you, Father God, we pray for those who are questioning even whether or not they made the right decision, whether or not they in fact settled in the mess, Father God, for we know that you are a God who does not like divorce. So praying on that, Lord, we pray for your hand, for your grace and your mercy to continue to penetrate our lives, our relationships, our marriages. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask, Lord, that you would continue to open our eyes, allow us to draw closer to you, Lord, that we may come to know you more. And in knowing you, we'll come to know ourselves more as women, as men, whatever the position we tend to hold in our household, Lord, I pray for the grace for every single person to to really uphold that position and to do it in excellence, Lord. Again, we just ask that you would touch and visit every life, visit every marriage, and just may your spirit dwell in every household that is seeking you, Lord, especially in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. So thank you for listening to another episode of Lies My Mother Told. I'm Tasha. That was my beautiful co-host Sade who just prayed for you guys. You all, thank you so much for listening to this episode and make sure you're following us on all our social media platforms and make sure you're dropping down in the comments. We want to hear from you. Let us know your own personal story, your own personal testimony, as well as your thoughts, comments, and concerns. We love you so much and we're going to catch you guys next week. Yes. And don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe. You can follow us on our personal platforms as well. Me at I am Sade Graham. Um, Tasha at Confessions of a Christian Girl on Instagram. And on TikTok, same at I am Sade Graham. Tasha is C-O-A-G, right? C-O-A-C-G on TikTok. (laughs) that's important but yeah visit us let us know how you feel you know show us some love and we'll be sure to show love back because that's what we're supposed to do right as christians especially so we love you thank you for listening and see you next time